0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. All right, there it is. That's... Wow, 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 wow. Oh, wow. Talk about faith commitments. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. That was one of them. That's... All good fun. I realised too when I get my hair cut. uh, I've realised the first time I changed my hairstyle was back in 1998, which happened to be the year that Graham Agnew first came to Northside, and the first time I changed it back since is the year that he's leaving Northside. So I think there's something biblical in all this. You know what I'm saying? I think it's it's significant, GA. I think. And plus tonight, if it's a cracker of a message, we know it's because I've had a haircut, you know, a good dose of the Holy Spirit and a haircut, that's what every good preacher needs. And that's what we've got tonight. Hey, a couple of quick announcements before we get into the Word, because it'd be awkward if he did it, but guys, we would love you to be with us on the 25th of this month to uh, say goodbye to our uh, beloved senior pastor, Graham, and his wife, Bev, are heading back to Adelaide, if you haven't heard the news yet, or you're guest with us tonight. uh, He has had an incredible ministry here for 16 years, and I've been one of those that have been blessed by it, and there are so many Northsiders and extended family that want to be there to um, say thank you to them. So... If you can make it on the 25th, they'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Um, be sure to RSVP on our website, northsidechurch.org.au. There should be a link there, mainly because we think this event is going to, it's going to be bigger than the World Cup. That's what we're hearing at the moment. We're having to build stadium seating up the top and the whole lot. It's uh, its going to be huge, but that just lets us know uh, where it's all at. Uh, most importantly, stack of people have been asking me, well, uh, the Agnews have meant so much to us. How do we bless them? How do we say thank you? Uh, Kristen and I were trying to work that out. Uh, with, I was thinking of getting a bronze sort of statue head for Graham for his office back back down uh, there in Adelaide. But then with freight costs and transport, you know, buying things for him is uh, a little bit awkward. And so in that way, we want to take up a love offering over the next couple of weekends for Graham and Bev. And so if you're part of the fam and you love them as much as I do, then uh, there's going to be an opportunity in a range of different ways to contribute to that out there in the foyer. You'll see a range of different signs around and you can just do that as you feel led over the next couple of weeks. So that's uh, all happening. Let me pray because it is all about God's power and not of the hair. So uh, let's see what he's got to say to us tonight. Heavenly Father. Uh, we recognise that we are coming from all sorts of different places tonight as we're about to hear your word, and we know that it's a word that is living and active, it's like a double-edged sword, and so we're just asking tonight, Father, that you would prepare our hearts, that, Father, you would open the ears of people uh, that would be hearing this message, and that you might move powerfully amongst us all through your Holy Spirit, and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I nearly, I nearly saw a shark once, I nearly saw a shark once. That's what I always used to say to my dad. I nearly saw. A, he's like, "What? Did, what? You nearly saw a shark, did you, uh, mate? You either did or you didn't see a shark. You didn't nearly see a shark. It's either. Or, there's no in between. Uh, faith works the same way. It's the same principle. That is, it's one thing to uh, come to an understanding of the content of faith. That has been week one of this series, trusting the unseen. It's another thing to take that content and be absolutely convinced of it. That you say, hey, I'm going to live my life on the basis of this information. You're absolutely sure of it. But as the great reformers said, the ones who picked apart the very nature of faith, they said, unless you make a commitment, then faith itself is incomplete. That faith itself, it's like saying, well, I nearly had faith once. Until there is commitment, until you go, then there is no faith. And so we learned last week that Christians are the sort of people who have thought out this whole content and the gospel and Jesus living, breathing, dying, resurrected, first century palette. They've thought all of this out and they say, if this is true, then I must live my life out on the basis of that truth. But as we'll see tonight in the example of Abraham, and he gets a lot of airtime in this Hebrews chapter 11 as a great man of faith unless you go unless there is a commitment finally faith is not completed so uh, let's read from hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 to 10 by faith abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country he lived in tents as did isaac and jacob who were heirs with him Of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That's the question, and that's a this is this is the question. how How do I commit in the face of uncertainty? And I've got to tell you, it's it's been a it's been a big week as a pastor. When I know here tonight, there are friends, there are teammates that have been asking themselves that question. It's so tough as a pastor and as a friend to try and come up with the theological answer for this. Haven't you ever been in those situations where you sort of can't find the theological answer to explain what it is that they're going through? And yet we've got to come back to the Word. We've got to believe that God can show us the way through his Holy Spirit and through the word. And so I've always said throughout this series, there's two ways to read this passage, Hebrews 11. There's the wrong way and there's a much more helpful way. The wrong way is to look at a character like Abraham and try and emulate what he did. To just There's a wrong way to preach it. To say, this is what Abraham did. You just go. On the other hand, you can look at the principles underlying it all and apply it to your own life, and that's where we're going to go uh, tonight. Here's the first principle of of when you're asking yourself, how do I commit in the face of uncertainty? The first principle is you focus internally rather than externally. You focus internally rather than externally. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going, externals. Now, you know who else this verse applies to? Frodo, of course. (laughs) Right? We could substitute that in Frodo, even though he didn't know where he was going, got up and went to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, right? You remember the scene in Fellowship of the Ring, all the councils gathered round, there's orcs and gremlins, I oh, know I'm confusing my movies, but uh, you know, all sorts of different. Ca- they're arguing about who's going to take the, the ring of power to Mordor, and this small hobbit voice comes from the background I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. And he says, Though I don't know the way. You see, unlike Frodo, the modern person, they want to be certain before they go anywhere, right? They want everything lined up. We want all the situation light. We want all the we want all the traffic lights to go green before we even get in the car. And I'm thinking, can you imagine how boring Lord of the Rings would be if you took the modern approach? You know, they gathered the council, and Frodo's there saying, Gandalf, if I could just have the cost benefit analysis again, if you could just show me the Oh and S strategy of fighting orcs then I might give it some consideration. Come on, look! I used to be an accountant. I used to be an accountant. There is no greatness at the bottom end of a cost-benefit analysis, right? There's no greatness to be found there. Where's greatness found? Greatness is found when you go. That's what Abraham did. He took off, not knowing where he went. It, to put it another way, uh, Abraham went not caring. Abraham went not knowing. Abraham went not needing to know. Abraham went not needing to line the traffic lights up. Now, does that mean he's does that mean he's being rational, irrational, or does it mean he's being impulsive? No. Abraham got this principle, and here's the principle: you cannot trust your circumstances. It's not what happens to you in life that matters. It's what you bring to life that matters. It's not the events of life that break you, but what you bring to those events that make or break you. And you don't have to know the Bible to understand this. You know, Abraham knew that if he based his life on his circumstances, he was already ruined before he started walking out of the desert. Because your circumstances never go the way that you want it to, right? Case study. Look, go. we've got it here. This is what I love about the church. Go take go take a 24-year-old and put them next to an 84-year-old. What's the difference? And don't say wrinkles. <sighs> Wisdom, yes. But most importantly, here's what i found about the, just the great treasures that we have in this family here, and this is why the older generation is so important. You see, an 84-year-old has gotten halfway through their life And unlike a 24-year-old, an 84-year-old has realised that halfway through their life, they've stopped trying to line up their circumstances. They've understood that life throws you things that you just cannot expect. And if you're living life on the basis of that, then then it's just not going to work for you. And so an 84-year-old has stopped trying to line up their circumstances. They've stopped trying to change their circumstances, and now they've started to change themselves. They've started to grow. They've looked internally, not externally and so in that way, it's not the circumstances of life that matter, but what you bring to them that will make or break you. And yet, how do most people live? You, know, they, they, you you're, We're all doing it, right? We're secretly either verbally or non-verbally saying that if my life is going to be a success, it's got to be based on what I possess and what school I get into and what job I get and what spouse I might find or how much money I've got in the bank. You know, What are all these things? They're circumstances. And, and, and if you ever noticed people like that, I've been one of these people like that. We, we get anxious, don't we? Oh, we're so anxious. You know, the slightest thing goes wrong and you're just like a fragile little bird. You're, oh, you know, it's just always quivering on the windowsill. And the problem with that is if you base your life on circumstances, as I'm learning, you are ruined before you even begin. Your circumstances will thrash you. Your circumstances will bully you like an ugly older brother. You know what I'm saying? They'll grab your head and they will give you the thing when you mess up the hair. Yeah, a noogie, is it? Yeah. My worst nightmare hails with this, seriously. As a side note, often it's in really difficult circumstances that people come to Christianity. And that's biblical. You know, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, Verse 1, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, Dallas Willard says that God is at the end of your rope. This is a good thing. We often enter into the faith through difficult circumstances. But often as a pastor, you know, I hear people coming and and asking sometimes consciously, unconsciously. They're asking this. They're saying, will Christianity work for me? They're saying, will it do for me what I want it to do? And then and then, then I start talking about the content of Christianity and Jesus and the gospel and... And, and believing in him and dying to self, and they start to get offended. Oh, of that stuff, that's, that's exclusive, and I don't need to know about the content. Can you just tell me, will it work for me? Will it help me out? Will it help me get to my goals? Will it help me deal with my circumstances? You know what they're doing? <laughs> what they're doing is they're applying Christianity to their life the way that someone would apply Sudafed to their chest infection that that is that they are uh, christianity doesn't work that way they they're looking for christianity to remedy their symptoms rather than deal with the cause they're asking they're asking will it help me in my circumstances will it help my cause and they're twisting it into something that it's not look look at the guy at the center of christianity jesus look at his circumstances what made what made Jesus great his circumstances what made Jesus great that things were going well what made Jesus great? That, he's, that he'd realised his dream board? No, his circumstances were hopeless. His circumstances are through the floor. He's up on the cross, the, the, the soldiers are mocking him. You know, how's that working for you? Uh, it's, 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 it's horrid. No, what made Jesus great? Was he said, not my will, but your will be done. In fact, his greatness was that he faced life and crappy circumstances with resolve and integrity and obedience and faith. Back to the point here, he went out. Abraham focused on the internal, not the external. The principle, that's the principle then, is you can't trust your circumstances. You've got to get your heart out of your circumstances if you're going to make a commitment. And what that means is, do you want a Stanley heart or do you want a shifter heart? A Stanley heart or a shifter heart? You see, I've got, I've got a whole bunch of spanners at home for all the bolts and everything on my old car that I used to own. And it was this beautiful Stanley set of 178-piece set that you buy from Bunnings. And there was every shifter size you can imagine, every sprocket size you can imagine, and, and uh, from the 164th all the way up to a 1-to-1. I don't know what the sizes meant, but I just spent life finding a bolt and that'll work and that'll work and that'll work and that'll work. Uh, okay, until I found the right one. And then I discovered this amazing thing called a shifter. And they're these cool little spanners that got a funny little button on it that you roll, and, and the width of the spanner adjusts to the bolt that you're trying to. They're fantastic. Has anyone ever seen one of these things? They're incredible. You know, <laughs> I realized I'm a shifter kind of guy. I, I'll, I'll just do the shifter things. What I'm saying is do you, do, do you want a Stanley heart or do you want a shifter heart? Do you want a heart that, 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 that is waiting for every circumstance to line up perfectly with the slot, or do you want a heart that's adaptable, that can move with the circumstances, that can shift with the circumstances and not crush you? In other words, would you like to become the sort of person who needs a remedy for every circumstance, or because of who you are, you remedy every circumstance? They're the people who will become someone, will you become someone who tries to adapt every circumstance to your heart or will you have a heart that can adapt to every circumstance? See the difference? A, faith, a person of faith no longer trusts in their circumstances. That's the first principle. And if you want to commit, then you've got to get your heart out of your circumstances. Oh, no, it's tough. And that's why Abraham gives us some help in the next principle here. Here's the second principle from Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. Not only do you focus on the internal rather than the external, you focus on the ultimate rather than the immediate. And most people, they think the way to survive life is you just mistrust your external circumstances, right? They're the sort of people that say, oh, well, you know what, this, this dream won't come true, and if it does, it won't fully satisfy me, so you know what, I'm not going to go out for anything. I'm not going to go and do anything. We call them, they're stoic. They're the tough ones. Yeah. They're, they're the people, simple terms, they're the people that goes, you know, life sucks. Life sucks. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to dream about life being any better, um, but I'm going to accept it for what it is, and I'm not going to go. Now... Christianity does not say that you become great by refusing to put your heart anywhere. Christianity says locking your heart away doesn't make you great. It just makes you bitter. It just makes you harder. And the principle is, the Bible says you were built to look forward. Look at verses 10 here in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, For he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. You see, we are... Irreducibly hope-based creatures, aren't we? That our, our present actions are affected by our futures. And so we are built to look forward. Therefore, if you want to get your heart out of your circumstances, you've got to have something to look forward to. And that's what Abraham did, this country of his. He looked forward. Um, quick pop quiz, Bondi rescue style. Do you, do you know why most people die in the surf? Uh, it's through these things called rips. And basically it's mainly the tourists that get caught up in them. But uh, rips is where all this uh, body of water is surging back out to sea and it's a really strong current and And rips go out and all the way out into the back of the ocean and about 100 metres offshore they then just dissipate. And so uh, most people die in rips, particularly those who are not experienced because uh, they begin to drift off the sandbank and from the flags or the person that they're near and they start to freak out. Because they're drifting in their immediate circumstances. And they start, start swimming against this rip and against the current and they tire and they tire and they tire and they, tire, and they drown. Whereas surfers, on the other hand, like myself, <laughs> we love rips. We love rips. We look for rips. We want to get into rips. Because rips are the sort of things that we... All surfers know, come on, don't we? Dudes. <sighs> All, all surfers know that rips eventually dissipate. If you know where they ultimately end up, they, they can't hurt you. And so the principle this is some of you thinking, what the heck has this got to do with Christianity? <laughs> surfers know whether the rip is ultimately taking them so they don't get caught in caught up in the immediate circumstances. If they're drifting, it's okay. I know I'm ultimately going to a place that will be safe. Here's the point. Only if you know where you are going ultimately, can you handle not knowing where you're going immediately? How many times do you and I, guys, get in a panic because, because lo- we're caught in a rip and, and we get, we're drifting from our agenda and our expectations of life and we get in a panic about it? Uh, The the difference is that a a Christian is someone who is constantly looking forward, someone who's constantly longing for that city, and and here's how it works. Where else are you going to get the rational and the emotional courage to arc up? That was last week. That is to do the right thing even when you know that it will cost you, to speak out against injustice, to not carry on with the backstabbing in the office, to be a different person. You see, commitment only happens when you look at your citizenship here, that is your money and your relationship and your health and your achievements and you see that it is, it is loose change compared to what you have in the bank. Illustration. Illustration. Imagine you have 500 bucks in your pocket and someone steals it from you. How upset are you going to get? Now, I bet you that th- th- there's going to be a whole range of different responses here tonight. <laughs> some some people are going, are you kidding? That's like That's like 10 to 15 weeks of my income, man. <laughs> Other people are here like, oh, that's disappointing. That's a bottle of champagne. You see, the degree to which you get upset by that is how much you got in the bank. And, and, and a Christian, the same action, the same $500, one's crushed, the other's indignant, doesn't care. There's no difference. Why? It's because what they got in the bank and you see a Christian is someone who's constantly reminding themselves of where they're going ultimately, of the inheritance that they're a part of, reminding themselves that the things in this life are chump change in comparison to the inheritance that we receive and that's what Abraham did he looked at his life and he said I will not take this I will not take my family and I will not take my wealth and I will take not take my comforts and I won't take my ethnicity and I won't I won't take them and put a pressure on them and a burden on them that they're not supposed to bear you know it's like parks in the city right you know Hyde Park or Winded Park we've been there a park in the city, they're beautiful places to go and visit, but they get really crappy when people live in them, right? We've seen it. And guys, we've Abraham got that. He said, as long as I understand this life is a park. The city park, I can enjoy it, but it's not my home. The money, the family, the children, the work, the culture, the health—all these things are good things, but they're not my home. Now, does it mean he never wept? Does it mean he was never anxious? Does it mean he never struggled? Of course not. But he said it's not home. The principle is: Abraham saw this life as a driveway to the living room. You know, he's not supposed to sit there forever, and it's not comfortable. It's not meant to have you there forever. And so, guys, until you focus on where you are going ultimately, only then can you handle things not going well immediately. Two great principles here, if I might say so myself. Not mine, his. I'm just a male boy. As we finish up, the two principles. Don't trust your circumstances. You've got to get your heart out of yourself. I know it's a wrestle, but don't trust your circumstances. They'll bully you. They'll noogie you. They'll thrash you. Most importantly, you don't need to know where you're going immediately if you know where you're going ultimately. That, that is the principles we see in Abraham's life. Now the question is, how do I do that? How do I do that tonight? Quickly, do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? Good news or bad news? I'm, I'm a bad news first sort of person, so let's do the bad news, okay? i for of bad news. Um, the bad news is... Uh, Faith is often revealed most in suffering. In fact, um, you're never going to really know if you've got a true faith until you suffer. Any of my friends that I've spoken to this week that are going through that, they know what I'm talking about. You probably know what I'm talking about, right? That's the bad news. But here's the good news that's when you'll really grow. That's when you really grow. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 onward says, um, Though you might have to suffer for a little while, you rejoice because you recognise that your faith, which is worth more than gold, which, by the way, says Peter, perishes in the fire. Your faith is stronger than that. Your straight faith is more worthy than that. Your faith is more sturdy than that. Your faith, which has been refined by the fire, will prove itself genuine at the time when the big guy either you meet him face to face or he comes back down here the bad news is you won't know that you really have had a faith commitment until you suffer the good news is you will grow you will be you won't be bitter you'll be better you won't be stoic you'll be stronger and some of you tonight thinking that's a charming message <laughs> growth in suffering I came here for some inspiration. you know. I should have gone to that Hillsong Conference. I heard that's really good this week. Go <laughs> to Northside Church, grow in suffering. <laughs> but look, guys, some people this week, some people walk a block away to Fitness First and they they will live by the very same principle. I kid you not. They, they will live by exactly the same principle. They'll go pay pass a couple of hundred bucks to these so-called gods. They're called... Personal trainers (laughs) And what's a personal trainer Going to say to you this week on Monday Do you want the good news or the bad news And you'll say I'm a bad news sort of person So give me the bad The bad news is they say This is going to hurt I'm going to make you suffer And what do you do You go oh yes please Oh yeah And then they go the good news is But if you suffer for a little while You're going to grow I'm going to make you stronger I'm going to make you better I'm going to make you more Of who you were meant to be right Man, are you guys getting this? I'm giving you this for free tonight. God's giving you this for free tonight. You don't need to pay past anything. here. But if you would like to, the <laughs> F- <laughs> here's a point. If you, <laughs> if, if you think a personal trainer is going to ask you to commit to them in order to make you better and knows how to do that in the midst of suffering, what about the one who made you? And what that means tonight, if you're not a Christian, if you're checking this whole Christianity thing out, I say every week, we are so glad that you are here. Sit here for as long as you need. Sit here long enough, hopefully by the power of God, to hear more of my 80s jokes. But here is the point. Are you giving more faith and commitment to your personal trainer this week than you are to God? Because your challenge is when you say, I can't become a Christian, I don't have faith. I'm not sure if I can make that sort of commitment. No, it's not a matter of faith. Be real. It's not faith or commitment. You've already got faith and you've already got commitment. You just, you've got faith in and you're committed to other things, other things other than God. And Christian, if you've committed to him and things aren't quite going how you expected at the moment, if, if your circumstances have turned pretty crappy, if you're thinking, I don't know if I can take another week, I don't even know if I can take another day under this, Friends, can I promise you, hear his voice. It's saying, one more rep, one more rep, one more rep. <laughs> he knows you. Come under his sovereign hand. Come, come under the ultimate personal trainer. He will take all that you are going through and by the power of, of, of faith, he, he, won't, he won't crush you. He'll make you into what you are supposed to become. You've got, to, you just, you've, got, you've got to go. You've got to, make, you've got to make a commitment. You've got to focus on the internal rather than the external. You've got to have that sense of where you're going ultimately and you can deal with the immediate. And so, guys, that's what this series has been all about, moving to that point, that, that point of commitment for each and every one of us. Guys, it is not lost on me this week. that The next time I get up here on this platform, that it'll be me serving you as your senior pastor. And I know the question's out there. I know it's out there. Whether it's spoken or unspoken amongst us all at the moment, we're all asking the question, where are we going? Where are we going, Sam? What are we we doing? And my my answer to you now on the basis of this is uh, immediately, I don't know. But I sure as heck know where Northside Community Church is going ultimately. We are the people of God. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are a community of hope. We are Northside Community Church. We've come from a legacy of people who have lived Hebrews 11 verse 8 every single week of their lives. Older, faithful people who have poured money and faith into this place because they live by a verse that said, we don't know where we're going. But God's vision, we just get a sense, well, is progressively being revealed to us, is still being revealed to us. And they got up and They went. And so, guys, this last three weeks, all of this, this has just been a spiritual pocket knife. We fold this up now. We all, we all carry it on our belt. And we walk forward into this new season of uncertainty, not sure what God has gotten planned for us. And thank goodness that's the way things are at the moment. I can't wait to see what he's doing. But there are going to be times where some of us are going to lose faith because we'll look at the circumstances and get scared. And that's the point in which step one, we need to point each other back to the information and the truth of the gospel that there was a guy called Jesus Christ who lived and he died and was resurrected and the boys saw him and they passed that on and they passed that on and it went from Palestine and it went across to Rome and into Europe and across into England and on the ships and here we are in crowsiness. We live out our lives on the basis of that truth. And then we've become convinced of that, Christians. But it'll waver, and so we must do everything we can to remind each other of why we've been convicted of that truth. But most importantly, there are times when you and I need to make a commitment. And even though we don't know where we're going, together as a family, we get up and we go to a place that we'll later receive as our inheritance. Let's pray.